The opinions expressed during this program are solely the opinions of the hosts, guests, and callers. They do not necessarily represent the views of the advertisers, management, staff, or ownership of WCTC. You're listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. Listen here for inspiring stories from people just like you who had their wake-up call to make a bold decision and live their best life. They did it, and so can you. What are you waiting for? I'm your host, Christina Previtt. If we haven't met before, I was a divorce lawyer in New Jersey for 15 years. I'm currently the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a divorce law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. I love talking to people who have overcome their fears and forged their own path in life. They had a wake-up call to make a radical change. They did it, and so can you. My guest today is Brittany Masudi. Brittany is the co-founder and co-owner of Summus Body Mind in Marstown, New Jersey. Summus offers yoga, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, personal training, and features a custom-built flotation tank and full-spectrum infrared sauna. Brittany began studying yoga and nutrition at the age of 19 to combat depression and anxiety and heal from childhood trauma. Brittany also is the force behind Aurora, a company that helps women with ambition to grow their business and live an abundant life. She is a sought-after teacher, consultant, and coaching expert. Welcome, Brittany. Hi. How are you? I'm great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for coming. We I feel like we have a lot of ground to cover because even though you're, I think you just told me you're 32. I am. Which I, I, I it's possible that I just turned 33 and I can't remember because I have two babies. So. I well, I <laughs> don't have any babies and I have forgotten my age before. So, um, but I think in my case it was just old age. Um, but I feel like with you, there's so much material to cover because it seems like you've done an awful lot in. The, the limited number of years that you've graced this yeah. earth so far. Yeah. Um, and I would like to kind of start in the beginning. This seems like a good place to start. Cool. So a lot of what I've learned about you, I've, I've seen on social media. You're very open about your life and your history and your challenges and, and your successes on social media. And I thank you for sharing all those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that you have shared in the past is that you, your mother has mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be interesting to hear how that's shaped you mm-hmm. and how you, what your experience was growing up with a mentally ill parent. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so my my mother, who I am um, very close with um, today, she has schizophrenia. So, um, And schizophrenia is on a spectrum, uh, much like autism and all the other, other good stuff. So um, she suffers with paranoia, um, hallucinations, and and that that sort of thing. Um, growing up that way, I you know honestly was um, really chaotic, and there was you know often times that um, you know if I could really put myself back there, um, it it's a it was a frightening place to be. And it was a really lonely place to be only because, and I don't say that from a sense of like, you know, feel bad for me. It's more of just if I can think about how I felt as a child um, and not having the um, support of of a mother in the sense of like tradition, um, you know, not not really understanding that either. And, and her illness, um, it, it really was, it was frightening. Um did you have your dad in the picture? I did. Um, my parents were split when I was, I, I feel like I was around three or four when that happened. Um, and, and so m- my father was as supportive as, as he could have been. But did he not suffer from mental illness? No, 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 no. And would you say that he was present in your life or? Um, he was um, but it was also very difficult for him to um, handle her. Okay. And was there a, at what point in your childhood did you sort of become aware? Did you have a greater awareness that your mom was mentally ill or was it just always there? Oh, yeah. No, it was always there. So, um, you know, with, with mental illness, you know, as far as schizophrenia, it's something that really shows up um, early on. Um in very, very rare cases, it's something that, that comes up um, later in, a, in adulthood. Um, but around 18 or 19 is when my mom was diagnosed. Um, so it, it was always there, you know, when I was born. Was How old was your mom when, when you were born? Uh, ooh, 
she was in her early 20s. So what was it like? I mean, how would you describe the household? You know, how I guess, you know, I don't want to call any household normal. I'm saying that yeah. in finger quotes because I don't think there's really any such thing. But yeah. this was probably atypical. So how would you compare it? I guess how yeah. would you compare yeah, it to I the knew, house you have now? Yeah, I knew that that I knew that you know the way that I was being raised was not um common. Um and and you know I actually tried to hide it for a long time and I I tried not to um you know, invite friends over to my house and, and try to kind of keep them at bay. Um, because there was also a part of me that, you know, I did face a little bit later on in my adolescence that, that thought that, um, I was going to be like her. Um, so I, it was like a a dirty secret that I had that I didn't want anyone to know about. Um, and I kind of had that in the back of my head that that was going to happen to me as well. And that, um, if, anybody saw that my mom was that way like I kind of hid her away um that they would find out this like big dirty secret I had like friends boyfriends yes. whatever the case oh, may be yes mm-hmm. and my and so my mother's also um a hoarder okay. so and that comes along with that um with the with the illness as well so inviting people over to my house was out of the question <laughs> yeah so so was it hard to live with that, but being someone who doesn't, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, does not suffer from mental illness, was it hard to live with someone, especially when you're coming of age, mm-hmm. you're a kid, and puberty is like mm-hmm. the most traumatic experience, mm-hmm. right? You know, we mm-hmm. all think that the world mm-hmm. revolves around us mm-hmm. and everyone's staring at us, mm-hmm. and, you know, later you realize they're not. But mm-hmm. how, what was it like to grow up go, just going through the normal stress of puberty and adolescence and then well, have to deal have with to, that. I have to say um, that a lot of my, a lot of those, those things that you're talking about, I, you know, really were not important um, for me. I would say um, what was more important was survival. And, um, you know, a lot of my early adolescence was spent alone Um in the sense my mom was hospitalized the majority of my teenage years and um, given um, a, a, a slew of wild circumstances, I was um, alone in my house by myself. Um, and I was for how long must have been, I think I was 14 when she was admitted and my sister was in college. So she was away. And I remember like, driving the car to go food shopping when you were 14 oh yeah how did you know how to drive I I didn't but I but I didn't even like think it was a like I just I didn't even think it was a thing it was like I have to get food for my house I have to get food to eat and so I just did all the things that like I remember her doing when um when she was home and when she was well so I drove to 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 shop right you know, and, and I went food shopping. But don't get me wrong. I was still like, you know, in that age of 14, 15, 16, like that, that was a very um, it was a crazy time for for her. She was in and out of the hospital for for a few years. Um, and so, um, I, like I said, I was on myself, but I was also a teenager. And so, <laughs> yes, I was responsible in the sense that I did things that, you know, an adult would do. <laughs> Also did things that a teenager would do. But then you did things that an adult would do. But you were only fourteen, so maybe we can skip over some of that. Um, But would I mean? Wouldn't people think it was strange that this fourteen-year-old is going through the grocery store like buying milk and (laughs) bread? Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't even know. Like thinking back on it, you know, I felt very normal to me. You know, what about your dad? Why wasn't your dad in the Mm -hmm. picture? Why wasn't he coming to get you? Because as a divorce lawyer, I know that now these days, DIFUS or Mm -hmm. they call it DCPNP now would Mm -hmm. be over the house. Yeah. So did they never appear? Um, No. Um, And, you know, my father... You know, I I have a great relationship with both my parents now, so I don't want to say anything that's, you know, um, implying otherwise. But, you know, my father, the way that my father reacted and handled um, 
things when I was a child was really just given the tools that he had and what he knew he he could do. Um, And there are things that, you know, would seem unforgivable um, if I were to tell them to you. Um, I don't think it's worth saying that saying it out loud but there are things that probably would be would seem unforgivable to a lot of people but you know what you you know you could live your life um suffering and blaming out and and um creating excuse after excuse as to like why why you're not achieving the things that you're doing in your present day um i i choose not to do that i love both my parents very much and um you know, as as tumultuous as that period of my life was, it was also my greatest gift. So, um, you know, he wasn't in the picture during that time. Um, he he did know what was going on. And um, it just it really just was the way that it was. It happened the way that it happened. And, um, you know, some of my greatest experiences in my life and greatest lessons were were taught in that time frame that I learned myself. That's really great that you can look back on that time and not blame and finger point and accept that your parents had their limitations like every parent does. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. Yeah. But that you can appreciate the gift that you were given. I I have a mother also who has mental illness and Mm -hmm. I you know, have spent some time in my life being resentful about some things that happened. Yeah. Um, And it took me a really long time, a lot longer than it has taken you. So you're a little ahead of me um, to, to just accept that things were the way that they were. And um, a coach once said to me, can you find the gift in all of that? And Mm -hmm. at the time that he said it, it, it was really difficult for me to wrap my brain around that like what do you mean Mm -hmm. gift there was no gift what are you talking about (laughs) but when I thought about it there really was Mm -hmm. because I think that so many things that I do now today and just the person that I am certainly started there yeah Um, and and you know you can probably attest to this you can choose to look back on something and and be angry and bitter and let it rule the the rest of your life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know play the blame game or you can get over it get over yeah. yourself I, I you know i say this a lot to my clients too is that um you know you have two opportunities to to be a parent in your life and that's to your your children now and it's it's to yourself and um and and that's a really powerful tool that, you know, if we can really harness that, understand um, that we are the only ones that are, that are really going to be able to fill our needs, um, then then we we can literally move mountains. Absolutely. I believe that. And you referenced that in, in your own bio that you had suffered tra- childhood trauma. Is that what you're referring to? The experience of. Yeah. Um, it's physical, just a lot of physical abuse. Um uh, you know, uh, molestation. Uh, I, I had my own experience with that as well early on in childhood. So, um, you know, emotionally, um, I, I didn't, I didn't really get the, uh, the tools, <laughs> I guess you can say. And so when I left that environment, um, when I was 18, I had, um, I had, a, a case of, of post-traumatic stress and I was um, in a position that I really could not live the day-to-day um, without feeling paralyzed by anxiety or unable to just get out of bed and, and function and I, I had no idea why because I just didn't have the awareness there like uh, to, to trace back and really get like, you know, all that stuff happened to you. You know what I mean? And like, you know, what I teach now is, you know, the, the issues are in your tissues. They live in you unless you really learn how to, um, to manage them, let certain things go. Um, and so, you know, one thing that kept me going is even in even in in those um, at at that stage in my life where I felt like I was like really being overcome by by myself and and and, and this darkness um, was I was always seeing that I wasn't my circumstances, like I always was seeing that even in moments where. 
you know, I was being, you know, hit or whipped with a belt or, uh, I mean, you name it, you know, I'm being violated. I, there were, I was never seeing myself in the circumstance. I was always seeing myself somewhere else. There's something more, there's something else. Like I'm meant for something else. There's a greater purpose here always. And so even when I was in, when I, when I was 18 and 19 years old and I was, I was just like, I mean, depressed. I, 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 there's no words to really, I mean, and, and people out there, you know, who suffer with anxiety and depression, you know what that feels like and how isolating that can feel like, um, and debilitating that can feel like. But, um, when, when you take yourself out of your circumstances, you literally can do anything. And so I believe that, you know, I really I have this gift to see um, outside of myself and outside of other people because we're more than what our circumstances are. And so a lot of what I coach even today is um, I coach people into their vision. And that's the only way that you can really get people to move and to see something greater is by imagining themselves outside of themselves. So how did you overcome the depression and anxiety that you had when um, you were at such a young age? Yep. So it started with putting one foot in front of the other. Um, I had um, an amazing, amazing man in my life who showed me uh, meditation and yoga and just some tools that I, some actionable tools that I could do like right now. Um, and then uh, goal setting, honest to God. Is goal setting. I, I landed a job that um, it was part of their culture and I became obsessed with it. And it was something that I just grabbed onto because um, it literally was, it was everything that I really had been living was, was in a vision. What was the job? Um. <laughs> It was a, I'm not going to say the name, but it was a very big retail brand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> the Gap. No, I'm just kidding. It's not The Gap. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's something I can sort of relate to. Yeah. Um, I think I always knew that my, I always knew that my situation was temporary. That I was a kid. I was sort of stuck with it. And that there would be a time when I wasn't mm-hmm. and that my life would be my own. Would you say that that's how you experienced it? Yeah. So what were your plans? Were you just waiting for the day that you turned 18? Um, yes, in a sense. Um, and I was, you know, I guess you can say I was waiting for, a, um, you know, a ticket out of there. Um, and I certainly got it. And, um, what was the ticket? The retail company? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of them. Um, you know, the ticket was, um, it was just a, a person who came into my life and, and showed me otherwise that there, that there was more to life and that this feeling that I had was, was um, I needed to follow that. So when you turned 18, I'm just assuming like you turned 18, graduated from high school and you hightailed it out of there. Mm-hmm. It might... Am I far off the mark? No, you're not far okay. off at all. So, so did so, you I just give you a little more context. Yeah. My mom went bankrupt. Um, you know, she had been like I, I had mentioned she was in the hospital on and off for a few years and and so um within that time frame she lost her job. Um which I which I which I just want to say, you know, I, <laughs> the level of proud I am for my mom is like like what she's been able to achieve in her life, given what what she's had to to work with, is amazing. Her doctor said she would only be able to flip burgers when she was diagnosed with with paranoid schizophrenic, and um, and she went on to graduate like number one in her class in college. Um, she went on to become a certified CPA, and and, and like she supported, you know, me my my sister. Um, for as long as she possibly could on her own two feet. And when I look back at that and how hard that was for her and what she, um, how much like pressure she put on herself to do that. And she made it happen. You know, I, I, she's, she's a hero to me. Um, 
That's wonderful. I, I mean, yeah. I, and I will say I have to give her props too because I know it's not easy yeah. to yourself to yeah. live with mental illness. It's it can be difficult for the people that are around you mm-hmm. because it affects them too. But mm-hmm. I am very grateful that I don't have mental illness and it's not we have enough problems just, you know, in everyday life and to have to add another thing to the list to have to cope with on a daily basis. I'm very grateful that yeah. I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. So I think my mom did the best that she could do mm-hmm. under the circumstances, but it did take me some time to mature and realize that that was the case and not mm-hmm. be angry that, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't like the the normal, saying that in finger quotes again, a lot of finger quotes today, that, you know, we weren't like the normal family. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like you had a similar experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then when you did leave home, was mm-hmm. your mom, and I know from from my own experience that when someone suffers from something like my mother has bipolar mm-hmm. or schizophrenia, that they do have periods where things are good, mm-hmm. they're not having symptoms, yeah. and they're functional, mm-hmm. but then there are times when they're not mm-hmm. and you know they're having symptoms. So when you left home, what was that decision making experience like for you? Did you feel guilty? Oh no, I couldn't wait to leave. Okay. No. So there was no guilt at all. <laughs> no, there was no guilt at all. So, you know, I, I, I gotta say there the, the where I am in, in my life with my mom now is not where I was with my mom went back then. I had a lot of anger and a lot of resentment and and I was running from her and I couldn't wait um to leave. And you know, as much as I needed to leave, that was you know, like I really, um, I had to get out of that environment in order to really see what I was made of. But yeah, she um, went bankrupt, and and then we had to move into um, this apartment that was like the size of this room. What you know, we're I mean, in a small like, room. I'll say we're in a very small room, um, and so. It was when we moved out into this apartment that, um, and actually she moved to Morristown and she moved for me because she wanted me to be close to somewhere I could go to school and walk to work or something like that. And um, and then once we moved, I uh, I met someone and, and I just had the opportunity to, to get out and I just took it and ran. Where did you go? Um, did you uh, run off to Vegas and join the circus? No, I didn't. I, because, I, you know, you could have. I, I, I definitely could have done that. You're right. Um, no. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, it might have been fun for a little while, but. Um, yeah, no, any sense of chaos would repel me <laughs> at that point. Yeah, so, I can understand that. Yeah, so um, I met somebody and we I, I moved in with him um, within a week of, of, of us meeting. And it was like a, kind of like a dream come true. Um, and, um, I got married uh, very early. I was married at, oh gosh, I think I was 19 when I got married and, um, he was my best friend and we did a lot together. We experienced a lot together. I credit him for, um, just being a floor beneath my feet and um and showing me you know his family I'm curious was he yeah. your age or was he older he was older than me mm-hmm. not by much okay so his family was incredibly loving and and together and and um a lot existed that I just w- never really saw or felt before and um and you were still That's in the Morristown what, area? No, this was in Union County. It was in Kenilworth. So I spent, um, I was married for um, six years, six and a half years. Um, and I went through a lot of healing and a lot of hard work um, there and just learning how to be in the world. Um you know, and, and learning literally just like, I'm telling you like social skills, you know, and, and how to love and, um, and how to receive it. Yeah. Which was, you know, even to this day is something that, you know, I'm still mastering is, is receiving love. And I've come a very, very long way. Um, well, I think, I think it's something so, that some people struggle with that have gone through far less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I mean, just saying, yeah. just being able to say, 
thank you when someone gives you a gift (laughs) and not say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I can't accept this. Like like someone has done something wrong because they gave you a gift. Or another one, when you go out to dinner and someone wants to pay, it's, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Yeah. I let them pay. I'm just letting you know in case you ever offer. I let them pay because, and the reason for that is because they want to. They want Mm -hmm. to do something nice. They want to do something loving. And it's really hard for people to just accept that. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. So do you have any ideas you want to express about why that marriage ended? (laughs) <laughs> that you want to express? Listen, I'm totally an open book. I, I don't. Um, it's all good. Um, so we um, we just had different, you know, different uh, paths. You know, he, he helped me and I helped him and um, in, in different ways. And then it just came to a point where um, in order for us to achieve the things that we wanted to do we could not be together and and so he saw that before I did um and um it it was you know also the greatest thing that ever happened you know and it's also you know when whenever like like our our most devastating experiences are always like catalysts for the greatest change it's you know like like change doesn't feel good you know, like it really hurts, especially if it's a really big thing. Sometimes even good change can be difficult. Exactly. So I, you know, and, and that hurt, you know, it really was a, a it was a hard time to get through. Um, but I came out of that experience with like a really deep sense of, of who I was, which I didn't have before. Um, and so. And you got to experience what stability was. Yeah. And just being on my own two feet and really thinking about um, what I wanted for my life. Um, Because what we were trying to do was like sacrifice our own needs and wants to like make it fit for someone. You know, and like that's good to a certain extent, but it's like when the fundamental basics of like, you know, what who you are and what you want, like when those are different, like whether or not you want to have children, for example, um, you know, you can't compromise on on things like that. No, so. no. And as a divorce lawyer, I, people are very negative about divorce, obviously. I mean, yeah. I can understand that. But I really believe that it doesn't have to be. I, I don't see I'm it as a tell traumatic you story mm-hmm. because you're going to love this because of your background. So we decided we were going to get divorced. And um, <laughs> I just think this is so funny. So, uh, you know, we didn't even think about attorneys like I didn't even think it wasn't even in our like it was not something that was an option for us. I went to the county and I got the packet like that you have to fill out to do do that by yourself, you know. Yeah. And um, we met at a diner and. We like did this packet together and I was like, I guess I'm serving you these papers, you know, you know, and like he had to sign off on them and I was the plaintiff and he was the whatever. Defendant. The, yeah, right. So um, it was very ironic the way that just the, the way that it was happening between him and I. And um, it was like getting a cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. And then it took it took time for me to like do anything with the paperwork because it was I was I was just going through a process of letting go of this whole thing. So it took me a while to really push it forward. Um, but when I did, it t- I think maybe it was a year and I, I don't know. Maybe wow. It, it took you a year. I think so. Was he sort of like, Hey, um, yeah. <laughs> what are yeah. we doing? Yeah. 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 <gasps> um, definitely. You know, I was, I, I don't even remember what like my hang up was. Um, but once this was done and we kind of moved forward with it, um, we met at the courthouse and, um, you know, it's funny because him and I were like standing there and laughing and like joking around and like, this is really funny that we're doing this, you know, like snickering in the hallway. And then there's you were like, probably the happiest couple there. Ser- there was these people there that were like standing on either side of the room and their attorneys were with them. And everybody was like, it was like a really painful experience yeah, for a lot of people. And I don't want to discredit that. I'm just actually laughing at my own experience because thinking back at him and I just, uh, 
I like that story. You know. Thank you for sharing that because I, I always say that, you know, it's sad when the, a relationship has to end. Yeah. But sometimes it has to end. It's yeah. just the world that we live in. Relationships end. And yeah. it does sad me even as a divorce lawyer. And I've been doing this for 15 years. Mm-hmm. You'd think I would have a thicker skin by now. But I don't understand why how people can be so hateful towards mm. each other mm-hmm. when they, you know, stood in front of a crowd of people and pledged their love for each other. And mm-hmm. and now they, they do things that are so mean, mm-hmm. so disrespectful, so hurtful. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's pride. I mean, I'm really oversimplifying it, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to discount the experience mm-hmm. that people have when they go through that whole range of emotions, yeah. but I do try to emphasize to people that it, you don't have to look at it as this tragic event if you don't want to. Yeah. You know, you can you can see it as sad that it ended, but you did have good times. You had good years. You might have children together. I mean, that's certainly a blessing, mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. You know, you move on to the next chapter in your life. Yeah. So I do think to some degree people are sort of programmed to think, well, I'm supposed to be mad. Yeah. I'm supposed to be mean and nasty. We're not supposed to be friends. Mm-hmm. And the, I do have plenty of clients who are able to be friendly with each other. Mm-hmm. And they'll say that their family or their friends or whoever just think it's weird. You know, how can you be friends? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't even you know, my my ex-husband is uh, a very dear friend of mine. You know, we had breakfast the day we got divorced. <laughs> we walked That's out great, of there and had though. breakfast. So, See, even you're having a little difficulty with it. Like, it's like, this isn't really I, supposed I, to be this I way. laugh about it because it's funny how, like, people look at that and they're like, That's not normal. And, and I just have fun with it, you know, because why does it have – why does anything have to look the way that, like – it has like it's just that's very silly and to put ourselves in a box like that you know and, and lay ourselves down that way well i would love to normalize that yeah so if you can think of ways to normalize that i really <laughs> see the comments on facebook i'll post something on the firm's website about getting along better and how to have an amicable divorce and 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 it's mm. amazing the responses that i get from people mm. just cursing at me Mm. and you know just saying nasty things and then I have to hide the comments and it's really sad that that's 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 what we've normalized yeah the hate and the disrespect yeah it's not okay no it's not but unfortunately I think it's going to take a long time to change that that attitude um so the -hmm. next phase of your life yeah so not too long after that um you know I I, um, I, I found, um, I, I kept my practice going and I did some, um, I started teaching and, and kind of, I knew that I wanted to open up a studio and, um, make this, you know, part of my, of my life and my living. So I quit my full-time job and, and just started teaching full-time and I went I went doing that full throttle. Um, and then I met my, my husband, uh, Gabrielle, who we are, um, we own Summers together. Um, and he, <laughs> he is, um, just the most incredible person on the planet. And I'm so thankful that we get to do this together. Um, and he had his own journey, um, to find yoga through cancer and unfortunately, um, and so our paths just, just crossed and we, we shared this common, uh, mission to just elevate the consciousness of, of the human race, you know, and, um, you know, we don't need to suffer. It's, suffering is a choice. Um, and, and so when we blame other people and we, we blame other circumstances for, for causing problems and causing suffering, we give away our power. We give away our ability to do anything with that. And so, um, you know, there are tools out there. Uh, there are things that you can do in your life right now to start making changes and, and, and start living more empowered. And that's really, that's what we're all about today. Can, what's one thing? Goal setting. Goal setting. <laughs> I'm so huge about goal setting because it's what helped me. Um, it's what got me to where I am today. I literally visualized Summis about 10 years ago before I even knew Gabrielle. I wrote it down on paper. 
And so this is just the power of a vision. And I remember standing on the wet cement in our grand studio, which our, our studio now is about 5,000 square feet. Um, I remember standing on the wet cement with Gabrielle. We were holding hands and putting our footprints on the, um, we wanted them to be on the cement there. And um, I was holding it, standing to stand there like, whoa, like I, I created this. Isn't it amazing to stand there and see what you had envisioned for 10 years yeah. come to fruition? It was so overwhelming. At that time. It was overwhelming. And at the same time, I, there was a part of me that wasn't surprised. Did, did you ever have any doubt? You know, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So what do you do for in your own personal practice for goal setting? Is that something that you do weekly, um, annually? I That's a good question. Um, I, I, I do it like officially every hmm, three to five years. But, you know, it's not so, like goal setting is not something that like it, it changes all the time. And I had... I I made a new 10-year vision about, I don't know, maybe six months ago. Um, when I had my kids, I started feeling like I was losing my footing. Like I was like, okay, who am I? Which I know like a lot of moms out there have kids. It's like there's like a like a redefining moment. Um, Is it because you feel like you're just mom now or do you feel like yeah. you're just different because you have these new little responsibilities? Yeah, it was more, both. It was mm-hmm. more of like, you know, I, I had created, I had, I had like checked all of my goals off the list. Ten, like I wrote 10 years ago, like I had done them all, you know? And, um, I was kind of like living in that for a while, just being like, wow, I did, I did this. Like I did it. And I was just chilling and coasting and, and just enjoying that. And then after I had my kids, I started feeling like a rush that I needed to start redefining something. And I started, I needed to like, I had this feeling there was just something else that was bubbling up and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Um, and so I just, I, I, I sat and I, and I did what I did 10 years ago. And, and so, um, I have this, this new giant 10 year vision and I'm afraid to talk about it because I hope it doesn't go away. I know. I was going to ask <laughs> you if you wanted to share anything that was actually on your, your next 10 year goal, um, if you want to. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I, I'm one of them is that, um, you know, we want, we're gonna have three, uh, three homes, so one in, on the east coast, one on the west coast, one in South America. Um, wow! So you have the one on the east coast, right? No, we don't yet. We're we're looking to we're looking right now, um, and then we're also toying around with like just custom built stuff. Which my husband used to be a builder in a past life, so he really wants to build our house. So um, we're kind of toying around with that. That's awesome. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And your studio is gorgeous. I love it. Thank you. So where would, on the West Coast, like California? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where? Do you know? Um, uh, Somewhere between San Diego and Los Angeles. And why Why there? Um, My dad lives in Laguna Beach right now. Um, and, um, you know, just being there and and having experienced California, it's not somewhere that I would want to like call home forever, but I do love spending time there. And I love the energy of being at the beach there and just the whole vibe. I love San Diego. Yeah. I just love it over there. And then why South America and where in South America? (laughs) Um, What's not to love about South America? I'm assuming you've been there before. Yeah. I've actually only been to Costa Rica, but, um, my husband's Bolivian, Gabriel's Bolivian, so he has he has South American roots and and um yeah, we we just why not? So, do you envision that your business right now would just be sort of self-sustaining? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really the best way to be. Yep. I think that if any if everybody could live that way, I think that's the best way to live. I think I was just telling you mm-hmm. That the way that my business is right now, I'm not really actively practicing law, but I'm running the business. Mm -hmm. And so it gives me the flexibility to do other things Mm -hmm. like this radio show that I get a lot of satisfaction out of. Yeah. I think people that, um, I don't want to say intelligent, I'm not sure that it's really intelligence, but I think if you feel like you have this higher purpose in the world and Mm -hmm. you really pay attention to that, Mm -hmm. it's hard to do the same thing. Just every day, over and over, forever. 
right? I mean, could you imagine just having a job, finger quotes again, job yeah. where... You know, you just go nine to five every day. You you yeah. I've, I've with had your this pension. conversation with a with with a few people recently. This is interesting. So, um, you know, we're entering the dawn of like this, you know, entrepreneurial um, age, and um, just with the dawn of, of of this technology and how fast it's booming. If you look back, like in the industrial phase when like mom and dad and even just their parents rather like would just go to work at a factory and it was a lot of labor and it was a lot of just like you punch in punch out and go to work come home and and there was no question of whether you wanted to or not it was not like do you love it like Mm -hmm. you don't you don't get a choice in that matter it was just like you just you go you labor and you come home and everybody had a very clear role but as the generation started to progress, like, and just fast forwarding to now and the transition that we're seeing, like, we're seeing a lot of people who are working nine to five and they're like, wait, like, wait, what? I think you know? it's the younger generation, though. I, I do. And I think it's also technology because there's a lot more at our fingertips and we're, our eyes are way more open. We can see what's possible out there. That's that's just not just in the four walls that we're in, but there's this new question out there and it's like, um, do you want to, you know? And like, does it make you happy? And yes, you know, know. And it's but like, I had what? an old, older people, older people, finger quotes again. <laughs> I ran into this lady. I started talking to her on the train into the city one day and she's retired. So she was like, I just don't understand these millennials. You know, they, they talk about their passion. What does yeah, that yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why do you have to live your passion? And she just couldn't wrap her brain yeah, around it. And I was I not about to get into, well, you know, I'm trying to live my passion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I do, I do think that yes, as time goes on, and I do think a lot of it probably has to do with technology and the internet and social media. Yeah. That, you know, how dare we think that we can live our passion and yeah. that life doesn't have to suck? No. And you can monetize it. It's like, yes. what? Okay. Yeah. That's that's the new age right now. But at some point you did work for someone else. So, yes. And you had this dream for a long time that yeah. you'd have your own studio. Mm-hmm. So what changed along the way that you actually said, I think it's time. I think I'm ready. Um. It, the circumstances just started aligning. Um, you know, I met when I met Gabrielle um, and, you know, his just his support. He really saw he continues to like I he continues to pull things out of me that I just didn't know I was capable of. And the way he, and he just holds me at such a um, just he sees my potential, you know, and that's, I, you know, and, and vice versa. We serve our, we serve each other in that way. Um and so we keep on kind of like I level up and then he's like, oh, shit, I level up. And then it, it kind of goes back and forth. So we our relationship has always been that way. And so we just kind of things just kind of aligned and it was time for me to quit. I mean, there was no other way. It was just kind of peel the bandaid off. I was I just I was do like, it. I was sitting in a meeting and, and um, I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Oh, wow. That is so big. And I yeah. literally got up and walked out. No way. Yeah. Right then? Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like I've had so many moments where I'm just like, I don't want to be here. And then I start to think, why am I here? <laughs> but then I just keep asking myself the same question for like five years. Why am I here again? <laughs> but you, usually was just like, bye. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that was, was that at another studio? No, I was working for a very big corporation. Okay. So which shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so you were doing the whole corporate thing and, you know, they ha- actually had a real HR department and all that stuff. Okay. So did you literally just give notice and not even give two weeks? Um, I, so I, I got up and I, I, I told my manager that I needed to, to take the rest of the day and she was very okay with that. She was, she was, she was a good, she was a good boss in that sense. And, um, she could definitely see on my face that I was just kind of like checked out. Yeah. 
But that must have been something you hit that was brewing for a while, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, I stopped wanting to go to work for a while. Um, and then, you know, once I just, it just kind of dawned on me that I had a choice in the matter. And, um, yes, that's the big thing, right? Is realizing that we have choices. Yeah. So I really just got into a conversation with her and like, I didn't leave, um, her high and dry. I actually was like, you know, prepared to give my two weeks and we spoke about it. And, um, I gave let, I, I gave two, we, I, I remember correctly. I think I gave her two weeks and then she was like, um, if, if if the position got filled, mm-hmm. um, I would, it, I could leave earlier or something like that. Um, and the position did get filled. Can I ask quickly. what you were doing? Like with advertising, marketing, management. Okay. So you were doing mm-hmm. management. Mm-hmm. Were, did you have a team of people that you were managing? Yeah. Did you like that? I love it. Oh, God, I yeah. don't like managing I, people. I, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And you obviously you have employees where you are now. Um, yeah, they're they're not really. Yeah, they're not employees like in the books per se, but like teachers. where you have to feel like you have to micromanage them. No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. So it's amazing how things just change, how your mindset changes and your reaction mm-hmm. to things when you really step into what you meant to do. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, peeling the Band-Aid off, you know, it's um, you've got to be really willing to make bold moves if you want like bold things to happen. It's, it's like that's just the way it works. I agree. Totally. So how do you coach your coaching clients? How do you how do you? massage them if you will to not literally to to make to overcome these fears to recognize them for what they are yeah and i i mean what are you helping with them with are you helping them decide what their passion is Uh, yeah so both i have women that have no idea what they want to do with their life they just they just know they want something more that's a whole process in and of itself um, and then I have, I have women that are in business right now and they're, and they're doing what they want to do, but you know, it's just getting to the next level in their career that they're kind of had have some roadblocks, regardless of where you are. The work is the same in the sense that it's learning how to manage your mind. Like you, like it is literally a mind game. Um, you're capable of doing anything. It's just what's in your way that that's stopping you from getting there. And so sometimes having someone that can be on the outside looking in who can see kind of what, what you're doing to yourself um, and can kind of chip away at that so that you can see the possibilities that are out for you because, um, and, and, and so, you know, I, I love coaching um, business owners and, and just women who are, who just have that entrepreneurial spirit because, being an entrepreneur and being in business can be very isolating. It can seem like it's a very lonely place to be, um, you know, when you're just uh, self-employed and you're working at home or you're just working with clients and just having that support system or, you know, someone who's going to help you grow. You don't have a boss to look up to. You don't have somebody or there's no... Um, there's nothing that's getting you out of bed in the morning other than like your drive and how bad you want it. So it's good to have somebody that's in your field um, that can kind of help you to to sharpen your skill set and and, uh, and and like I said, help to manage your mind, sharpen your edge. Are your clients all people that do what you do? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. So they're in no. a variety of industries. Yes. What can you tell me? What some of them are? Um, restaurant. Um, a lot of uh, restaurants, um, <sighs> scrap metal. <laughs> interesting. Well, that's interesting. Um, yoga, um, you know, healing, a lot of healing modalities, a lot of clients that do stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. And I have to mention, you have a flotation Hair. spa in your studio. Yes, right? I do. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love floating. Yeah. I fall in love. I call it forced meditation. Because when you're in there, you can't leave. I guess you could leave. Yeah. But I feel like when I try to meditate, you know, oh, my ankle is itchy. Let mm-hmm. me take care of that. Or, oh, I'm thirsty. Let me just grab water. Yes. Or, you know, a car just went by. Yes. You know, was that the mailman? Like, whatever it is, yes. there's still all these distractions. Yes. But when you're floating, you you really don't have any of that. Everything is in your head. Yeah. It makes meditation a little bit easier for some people. 
for some people, it makes it way harder. It just depends on the person. Um, but yeah, so so I guess you could say it is kind of like a forced meditation. I've never really looked at it that way. But yeah, it's a chance for you to observe your thoughts. I mean, that's what meditation really is. But, you know, what we can see, like the float tank is such an amazing modality. Like, can you describe what it is for people that don't know? Um, yeah. So our tank is is a custom built um, room, which is tall enough that you could stand up in it. You can walk around in it. I think it's about nine feet by five. Um, and it's filled with about 12 to 15 inches of um, pharmaceutical grade Epsom salts, which is 100% magnesium. And basically, you get in there, you lay down, and you're completely weightless. You do not feel the ground, um, and so you don't have you don't have gravity kind of um, weighing you down in in any sense. So it's good physically because you're absorbing all that magnesium. It's good for um, you know a lot of people have back issues and shoulder stuff, and just having that time physically to release and let go um, is in and of itself a really powerful experience. But some people go in there for the deeper sense of like, you know, figuring out how the mind works. Well, I absolutely love it. And I love your studio. I think you're where you have everything The I don't know what you call it, the flotation tank or mm-hmm. whatever it's called. Um, I really like it. I've been there several times. I haven't done yoga yet, but I will. I've yeah. been neglecting my yoga practice. Um, but we have a couple minutes left and I really want to give you an opportunity to plug your numerous businesses. <laughs> so please give us information about your yoga studio and especially the coaching. You know, how does somebody contact you to yeah. start that process and how do they actually start the coaching process? Yeah. Um, well, thank you for having me. Uh, this is awesome. Um, so my studio is called Summis Body Mind, and it's located in Morristown, New Jersey, um, right on Washington Street. Uh, you can visit our website. It's www.summisbodymind.com, and that's S-U-M-M-U-S, bodymind.com. Um, and then my, my coaching company is called Aurora Um and the best way to, to reach out to me um, if you're inquiring is you can email support at auroratribe.com or you can visit the website. It's um, auroratribe.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. And I saw some reference to luminaries. What is, is that? A yeah, that's program? my live coaching program. So that's mainly where um, all of my clients are. And it consists of private coaching grouped with live coaching calls. Because really, like when we learn a lot, it's when we, we watch and hear coaching from other people. So um, it's a really cool, cool group program that way. It's a nice community. Right. Well, I'll have to check that out. I feel like there was so much more we could dive into, but thank you for sharing what you did share. I know it was all deeply personal, and I know I got a lot out of it, and I hope some other people do too. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. You can check out my website at christinaprevitt.com. And if you happen to be in the market for a divorce, a friendly one, or not so friendly one, I encourage the friendly ones, you can call my office, New Jersey Divorce Solutions, at 732-529-6937. Thank you. 